Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And we are back here on Legends 810 with the second installment of the Garden Wise Show with your Garden Wise guys, Jim Borland and Keith Funk, taking your garden questions on the air via your telephone. Live. Live. And in order for you to do this, <clears throat> we are on the opposite end of this following number, 303-477-2473. And here is this week's Garden Wise Wise Advice. Comes to you from, of all people, Nintendo. Everything not saved will be lost. Whenever you see that quit screen thing on your computer, heed that advice. <laughs> Been there, done it. Okay. Well, I'm just, I was looking up the uh, Emerald Ash Borer, what is. The most current information I can find as to where it is. And the map I'm looking at is showing Westminster, Broomfield, Superior, Boulder, Lafayette, Gunbarrel, Erie, and Longmont. So basically North Denver on up north. That makes sense to you? Does to me. <clears throat> now, like Jim said, I don't know how close the monitoring they're doing anymore. And I have I have seen where people have have dead ash trees even in the south part of town and we're told, Oh, it's emerald ash borer. Yeah. It wasn't. No. But it's an easy easy thing to blame. Of course. Which means I can treat it and I'll I'll charge you for it. Mm-hmm. If your tree is dying, mm. <coughs> probably no treatment's going to work. By that point, yeah, yeah, you're right. And if your tree is infested with emerald ash borer, um, call up your arborist and uh, have him come out with a chainsaw because <laughs> you aren't going to treat it in your tree. Yeah, and and you know that all of these sites are saying we're going to lose <coughs> them all. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. We're going to lose them all. And I think that's probably why certain municipalities, like you were saying, Jim, are just taking the bull by the horns and saying, okay, we're going to lose this tree. Let's start replacing them now. Yep. <coughs> they don't, they're not all taking all the ash trees. No. Down. They're leaving some and uh, replacing them with other trees. And by the time the boar hits those remaining ash trees, the other trees will you know, start taking their place. That way it won't be a barren landscape yeah. all at once. Now, how do we... Like that happened with the Dutch elm disease problem. Wh why do we say that we're going to lose all our ash trees and when we keep talking about some treatments? Well, they're all gone from various states back east. Very few left. Yeah, gone. And yes, they tried to treat too, but only, 
only successful to extent and to a certain degree, and, and that's it. Well, there, it's estimated that 15% of our tree canopy along the front range here is ash trees. Yep. And as I look out the window here, I can easily see, although some of them have completely lost their leaves and other ones haven't yet. Uh, I can see three within, uh, you know, one parking lot area. And it's a little hard to determine further on out, but uh, considering that my neighbor's tree has lost all of its leaves, I suspect they are all lost down here, too. And they were spectacular in color this year, mm -hmm. by the way. Yes. I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen ash trees look as good as they did this year. Well, both the, both the white ash, which is kind of an odd thing to call it because the variety names are usually like autumn purple. Yeah. Um, that's a white ash. And then there's green ash that turns the yellow color. Yeah. Um, both of them are susceptible to the borer. But yeah. what is not susceptible to the borer is mountain ash right. because it's not an ash. It has its own problems. <laughs> it does have its own problems. It's susceptible to a lot of other things. Yeah. But if you do have a mountain ash, no worries, man. And there are lots of ashes we, that just simply don't grow. We even have, even have a native one that is also susceptible. Um, and there's, I can, I can only think of one off the hand that, there, that constitutes other. That's um, Fractionus ornus, or orna, I forget which it is. Yeah. But uh, it looks like all the rest of them. <laughs> there's not much difference in the way they look. Well, I'm told that white fringe tree is also susceptible yeah. to the emerald ash borer, which was a surprise to me. Yeah. We don't grow many of those anyway. I've got one in my backyard. I, I said we don't grow many of them, <laughs> <laughs> not you. <laughs> which which fringe is it? Uh, Vir Virginiana. Virginiana. Is, is it Virginiana or Virginicus? I can't remember which one it is. It, yeah. There's two of them, right? Yeah. What's the other one? Orientalis or something? It's it's an oriental one, yeah, Japanese yeah. or something, yeah. Pretty. Very, 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 yeah. very pretty. But like Keith said, they too are susceptible. And I'm not exactly sure I like it. I mean, that when it's in bloom, for the few hours that it's in <laughs> bloom, <laughs> it's really quite striking. <laughs> Rest of the year, it's just a tree. Yeah, that's <laughs> There were a lot of of, of uh, fall color on various species, this, that, and the other, and they were spectacular until the next day. Then <laughs> they were barren. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what else was fantastic color this year is serviceberry. Yes. I haven't seen them color up that nicely for yeah. many years. Uh, another one in my yard that looked really better than ever this year was uh, Gamble's Oak. Mm -hmm. I have a clump of three of them, and... Uh, you know, they're typically just green all summer long. And this year they were green and then they went yellow, which I don't remember them doing. And then uh, they went into this burnt sienna kind of brownish, which was also very pretty. And then the next day, all the leaves are gone. Yeah. <laughs> so I got three days of good color out of it. Yeah. And, and viburnums did a nice job this year. Yeah. There's one in my yard that I was not expecting to be colorful. And that's viburnum juddi. Yes. And that's J-U-D-D-I-I or something like that. Anyway, Viburnum Juddi, Judd Viburnum. And it has turned this deep burgundy red color. Yep. It is just gorgeous. 
the whole leaf, not just parts of it. Nice. Really My nice. My neighbor has a viburnum lantana. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never seen color in that. And he hasn't watered it all summer long. Yeah. And it has been looking sad for over a month and a half now. And I happened to catch him out in his yard. I said, you know, you really should water that. He didn't. And of course he not. Probably won't. But he, it, too, is turning red. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a good environmental it, yeah, conditions it, this yeah, fall for yeah, all of this in, to happen. In that case, I think it's not red from fall color. It's just red from inflammation. Inflammation. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's sick. <laughs> it's inflamed. <laughs> all right. Let's get out to the phones. Uh, we've got... Uh, Three people on the line right now, starting with Craig out in Thornton. Good morning, Craig. Mm-hmm. Oh, good morning. Hey there. Hi. Uh, I appreciate you guys' wise, uh, wise experience with uh, plant life and so forth. Uh, um, I've got a Christmas cactus that hasn't been blooming for the last few years. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to you the last couple of Weeks or so, one thing I know I need to do, I'd say, is put fresh potting soil in it. Uh, but uh, what else might you guys uh, give me for information on that? Well, if you want it to bloom, you're going to have to uh, put it in the dark when the sun goes down. And bring it back out when the sun comes back up the next day. That's the easiest way to, to do that. Can you do that? Well, yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. Now... If I have a dark basement, uh, but it's pretty cool down there, too. Well, That's even better. Yeah, well, it has to be light during the day. Okay, I'll okay. bring it back up. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, the, and here's another way of doing it, is to put it in a room or someplace where it can get chilled at night down to into the 40s. Okay. And let it sit there for, I don't know, four, five, six weeks. And typically, it'll go ahead and butt up. Okay, so... Um, a garage might be a good idea, too, but in that four or six weeks, you're also talking about it being dark, though, too? Well, dark cool. only at night. Just at night, okay. Yeah, yeah they, need, they need a long night and a short day, which means maybe a 10-hour day and a 12- to 14-hour yeah, night. Yeah, 14-hour night is, is better. It, it, we'll, we'll do it. That's really interesting. And you can't let okay. it freeze. If you put it in the garage, if it freezes, it's going to kill it. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Now, if you can do both of those things, give it the short, the short day and a long night, as well as cooler temperatures, you'll get a bumper crop of flowers. Wow. Either, okay. either one of those treatments on their own will cause the plant to bloom, but you put them both together, and it, they really go crazy. And remember to okay. keep it well watered, uh, not over water, but don't let it go bone dry. And what do you uh, give it a shot of fertilizer every now and again? Yeah, I think the the worst thing that ever happened to that plant was being called a cactus, <laughs> because people <laughs> yeah. think cactus have to go bone dry, and this plant does not like that. Okay. All right. What do you suggest for some fertilizer? Just some uh, did anything. You you got anything in the house at all? Uh, yeah, your typical miracle grow. Yeah, uh, go ahead. That'll be there fine. There you are. Yep. Yeah. Okay. okay. Very good. 
Well, I appreciate that, gentlemen. You bet. Certainly. We appreciate you calling. You got it. Oh, and I also know you. one of you guys was talking about having a tiger eye in your backyard, and, or in your yard anyway, uh, and I do also, and I, I just absolutely love that thing too. Isn't it amazing? The colors are really incredible, what those leaves change to. Mm-hmm. In the summer, they're just a, a nice green, and then fall comes along, and, and just like the stone, if, if you're familiar with tiger eye stone, it's got a lot of different color in it, too. Yeah. Right. Greens yeah. and reds and, and ambers. So, okay, thanks again, guys. You bet. You bet. Yeah, I still have, I still have some of my tiger eyes with <laughs> color on them. And they went from the chartreuse green to the bright yellow and i thought oh they're just going to be yellow this year nope they went to red yeah after the yellow yeah it was nice um we were remiss in in giving people out the name of this japanese maple that is exceptionally hardy oh yeah it's called velvet viking i guess the velvet is comes from the color of the leaves even in the summertime it's a red leaf uh, Japanese maple and Viking from the fact that Vikings come from the North Country and and it's cold hardy. Okay, I, I just made that up. But you said it, the description says it's hardy to zone four, and it was developed specifically for northern <coughs> gardeners who have had bad luck with Japanese maples in the past. You see, my hand goes up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a ding ding ding. Yeah. You know, hopefully that it becomes available. Fairly quickly yeah. in, this, in this market. I hope it's relatively fast growing. Otherwise, it's going to cost like a thousand dollars for a one-gallon pot. That's the other problem. Well, yeah. you'll never see it in a one-gallon pot. My guess. It's going to be in a two or three or bigger. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I do know that Monrovia has a has a program here in Colorado with uh, selected garden centers where people can go online and order plants from Monrovia and they'll be delivered to a chosen garden center near you. Really? That's that's a great program. I hope that works out well for them. You know, Mon- I know Monrovia, they have a plant selection like no other. Yep. I mean, literally <coughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of varieties of plants. And no nursery or garden center can carry them all. No. So if there's something really specific that you want, go to the Monrovia site. It'll tell you whether it's hardy here or not. And uh, you can order it for delivery, and it'll be next year at this point. Now, Monrovia grows a lot of things for the southern part of the country as well. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful when you're ordering. Like you said, make sure you get the zone hardiness that you need. And here we are zone 5. Zone 4 would work. Zone 3 would work. Zone 2 would work. Zone 6, not so much. And Zone 1, I think, is just glaciers. (laughs) That's right. Tundra. Uh, But I I believe, it's been a while since I've been on that side, but I believe one of the questions they ask you is what your zip code is so that they can help sort of weed out the things that don't grow here. Yeah, and that'll help you because otherwise you'd be spending today, tomorrow, and the next day looking through their catalog. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. It, it's big. They got nurseries. I lost track. Of, they used to be all in California, but now they're up they're, and down the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. They, they must have something on the East Coast. By they now. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that that's something you could look at doing. Um, if you're not finding the plant you want locally 
with the garden centers. You can still work with the local garden center by ordering on the Monrovia site and having it delivered to a garden center near you. Yep. I'm not sure what the cost involved in that is, but... I, I don't know either, and maybe they'll let you know somehow. Yeah. But a lot of the nurseries, you know, they get regular deliveries for their own stores here yeah. from Monrovia, so your order would just ride along with it. Yep. All right, let's get back out to the phones. Uh, where are we at with time? Yeah, we can do that. Let's go see what's, uh, what Charlie's up to right now. Good morning, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, hey. I got, a, I got this flowering tree. I don't know. If, uh, it doesn't produce any fruit. It's just flowers. Okay. But it's got a, a chokecherry bush growing underneath it, and it's too much competition. I wondered how you might think you might get rid of the chokecherry bush. Well, are you able to dig it out? Well, the problem is to be cutting all the roots on the other tree. <clears throat> okay. See, it's right underneath it. Okay. Is, is it a big chokecherry? How, how, big, how big is this plant? About three feet high. About three feet? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think... I think I try to dig it out carefully. I mean, if you damage a few roots on your other tree, that's that's not, you know, a horrible thing. Um, it sounds like the tree, the choke cherry is small enough that it's not going to have that big of a root system. So how far down? Maybe a foot deep or something? I think that would be a good depth to go is a foot deep. Is it only, th you said three feet high? Yeah, well, it might be a little bit less. It's, it's oh, like, uh, it, you know, it's like it, growing if, right underneath the other one. If it were my tree, I would start digging around the base of that choke cherry, and, um, and you might be able to just to pull it out of the ground. It's oh, something, okay. something that small. Yeah. I don't know. Especially if the ground yeah, has the been well watered. Tree, the other tree is like about 10 feet high. Yeah. I think. No, I think it's a good idea to get rid of the choke cherry. Well, it's too much competition and it's too dense. I need to get, get try to get rid of the choke cherry at least so the other tree could grow. Yeah. Because, uh, but, okay, thanks a lot, you guys. You hey, bet. You thanks bet. for calling, Charlie. Speaking of choke cherries, yeah, I heard something. I believe it was on NPR. It was a, a little public interest kind of piece, and they were talking about uh, Cherry Creek mm -hmm. area, which everybody in, in Denver area knows about Cherry Creek Shopping Center, and there's actually a creek there too. Um, it was named not after cherries that you and I would pick off a tree. It was named after choke cherries that really? grew along the creek. Okay. The name comes from you know a very long time ago, and all the other cherry locales in the vicinity named after that same thing. I always thought it was after you know cherry orchards. That's what I thought too. Yeah, wrong. According to NPR. According to NPR. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. A fairly reliable source. You would think so. Yeah. Well, why don't we take our break right now and then we'll come back and talk to cindy and then anybody else after that who wants to give us a call well we can do that um i might as well because right now i don't have anything else to do so let's just get out of here so we can get back here on legends 810 
Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden on West Bulls Avenue in Littleton now has fresh cut Christmas trees along with locally grown poinsettias, which will arrive a few days before Thanksgiving. Thankfully, we didn't have an Arctic blast this year, enabling your plants to shut down in a sensible fashion, which means less stress on your landscape this winter. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't think about what your garden needs to ensure a healthy future. Fall fertilization is probably the most important one of the year, so consider applying now before the snow that will come any day. The elves at Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden are now working feverishly to get the greenhouse and gift store ready for Christmas. Plan to stop by during their holiday open house, Friday, November 19th through Sunday, November 21st, when everything should be on display. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden Center is a family-owned business serving you for 42 years at 10500 West Bulls Avenue in Littleton. Open 9 to 5 every day. They look forward to seeing you soon. Someone's pointing at me. That means I think we're on the air here again. So let me say that we are on the air. We're the Garden Wise Show with the Garden Wise guys, Jim Borland and Keith Funk, taking your phone calls. And All right of now, us together. We, yeah, we, we have a phone call. I can see, I can see uh, the color. I can't read it from here. but That would be Cindy out in Broomfield. Cindy, Good morning, Cindy. Cindy. Good morning. Hey. How are you today? Good. How are you? That's a beautiful day in Colorado. Isn't it, though? It is amazing. Hey, I'm really excited to run across your show this morning. I haven't heard you guys before, so I'm, I'm excited to have a Saturday morning show. To well, welcome yeah. aboard. Yeah, great. Good job, Cindy. <laughs> well, good job to you guys. Say, I ran across the very end. You were talking to somebody about the um, emerald ash borer. We happen to have five um, emerald or autumn purple ash trees that we planted about 10 years ago in our circle. Um, we moved from kind of more of a, a regular neighborhood to uh, just on a small acreage. Oh, my gosh, the soil is so horrible out here. These, the, they're growing, but they're growing at a much slower rate than <laughs> you normally sure. would see in a, a normal lawn situation. But um, I was concerned. I would like to know if there's anything that I can do systematically, uh, systemically, excuse me, like in the spring or the fall to help um, ward off the um, emerald ash borer. Absolutely. Uh, okay. you, you're in an area where I would be concerned about that. Right. And uh, there's two products on the market. The first one I like to recommend is the Fertilome brand. Okay. And it's their uh, tree and shrub soil drench. Tree and soil drench. And then the other is made by, well, th that's a company that used to be called Bayer. They're called something else now. Um, it comes in a blue bottle. I know that. Uh, but it's their uh, protect and feed. Protect and feed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when do I do that and how often? Once a year. Okay. And I would recommend that you, I think late summer and fall is one of the best times to put it down simply okay. because it moves up the tree about a foot a day. Okay. So if you've got a tree of any size, you want, you want the treatment to be throughout the tree by the time the bug is active. Right. So in the fall, by, the, by spring, it's all the way to the tippy top of the tree. Okay. For sure. And, and that way you know you're well protected. Okay. So do you think it's too late? No, not no. at all. No. Okay, great. <clears throat> it, it would help, but once you put it down, is to water that area in rather okay. well. Perfect. 
perfect. And what you want to do before you go buy the product is to go out to your tree with a a seamstress tape or or a piece of string or something and measure the circumference around the trunk of the tree about chest height. Okay. And and so you know how many inches that is because that's going to determine how many ounces of product you use per tree and that will help you determine how much to buy. Okay. That sounds perfect. Now, I, those are the only ashes we have. We also have some fairly young trees, three we just planted this year. We have a, my new favorite is the uh, Cleveland pear. Uh-huh. Um, we, we ran across that. We were planting a tree in honor of my dad's hundredth um, in August, and I loved it so much I bought one for my place to put outside my kitchen window so I can watch it. Yeah. It, it's turning red right now, so I'm really excited to see what it looks like in the spring. Um, is there anything particular about, you know, I know about the, the um, emerald boar ash with the autumn purple ashes. Is there anything that I need to watch out for? I've never had one of these Cleveland pears before. Cleveland pear is fairly carefree in this neck of the woods. I, okay. I don't think I'd be too concerned about anything. Okay. Um, you'll find out, and so I probably shouldn't even have to tell you, but one in the spring they're going to bloom, uh-huh. <clears throat> and you may or may not like the smell of the tree. I have heard that, and you know what I heard was that it depends on what the um, the gentleman at the golf course that runs the golf course where we planted the tree in my dad's honor was saying that if the if the blooms are um, if flies do the uh, I'm the word is escaping me um, versus bees if you have flies versus bees and that it smells bad if it's flies but if the bees pollinate it <laughs> it smells sweet no can you believe that no no that. not even close i'm sorry really? yeah this is uh, how myths get started huh. the, the tree doesn't care what's pollinating it interesting no because he was telling me to make sure we keep the animal um uh waste away from it because we have some um donkeys out here and he was saying that in the first few years at his house it smelled awful, but now it smells beautiful. <laughs> really? And, and, and how do the donkeys figure into that? Um, because if you if you, if there's a lot of uh, animal waste, of oh, I see. Okay. By the flies. Well, so yet yet another myth. We should write these down. We should. We could have written a book by now. <laughs> no, it's not true. Really? No. Okay. They have. They all. All of them. All yeah. the ornamental pears. I don't care if it's the Cleveland or the Chanticleer or the Bartlett or what is it. Not Bartlett, that's a fruiting pear. But anyway, the ornamental pears, they all have kind of a, a musky smell. It's a musky smell, smell yeah. Yeah, okay. some people liken it to, to cat pee. I don't think okay. it's that bad. Okay. Uh, but, you know, everybody smells things a little different. Right. Yeah. yeah. So there's no, so it, huh, well, I guess we'll just see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> just, just make sure it's well watered and uh, that's, that's all you need to do. Okay, perfect. Okay, well... And it might actually get some pears, even though most of the literature will say they don't get any pears. They oftentimes will get pears. This one we planted it, we bought a slightly larger tree this time around. It was about two and a half inches. Mm -hmm. And it actually has some little tiny pears on it. All right, there you go. Yep. Yep. So, all right, well, thank you very much for the information. All righty. I'll listen next Saturday. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Flies versus honeybees. Yeah. Uh Mm-hmm. And, you know, donkey, the, the f- and donkeys versus what? Chickens? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, donkeys smell. I understand that. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> now, I've, I've always felt like the fruiting pears have a, a fairly pleasant smell. 
when they bloom. I find them pleasant, but I, I but there's enough there you can kind of kind of smell this this muskiness kind of it, mm-hmm. it's there, but it's not overwhelming. Yeah, all. yeah. It's best downwind. Yeah, it's like um, hawthorns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have a sweet but musky smell as well. Mm-hmm. My sister has. Uh, three of those ornamental pears along her driveway and when they're in bloom when she gets home <coughs> from work she'll go she'll drive her car into the garage and close the door while she's still <laughs> in the car <laughs> so she doesn't have to smell them uh, apparently back east uh, some of the original well they do fruit so and then they can spread they, they don't spread out here we're just too dry for them to spread very far mm-hmm. but backies they spread everywhere yes and and they come up thorny there there are websites devoted to hating yes <laughs> ornamental pears uh-huh <laughs> and they've been outlawed a number of places yeah yeah that's exactly right <laughs> Oh, the problems we create for ourselves. They are pretty when they bloom, though. Yeah. If you don't oh, have I, to smell I them. agree. And, and the fall color usually is good. It's, it's excellent. Yeah, some, it's some falls, it gets too cold too quick, and they yeah. don't color up. But They're slow to color. Yeah. Um, but, I was, you know, people smell things differently. I, I'm one of those <clears> people <throat> who think paper white narcissus are just nasty. <laughs> and I know other people who think they're just wonderful. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Now, speaking of which, you may have the impression out there, people, that Keith and I agree on everything re- regarding <laughs> horticulture. I want to tell you right now, that ain't true. <laughs> okay. And, and, and what comes to mind is I posted something on Facebook. I've been, and I don't dare post everything that I see on this tropical, new tropical hibiscus that come out. It's just incredible what they've been able to do over the past 10 years. I'm like... What were you doing 12 years ago? Right. Okay. right. Jeez. Uh, all the colors under the rainbow. And this one that came out is called, of all things, Bowden Magic Blue. No, Bowden Magic Blue Planet Hibiscus. And I looked at that and thought, my God, that is remarkable, all those colors in there. Copper colors and browns and, and pinks and blues and purples. And, and I made a comment to that effect when I when I shared it. I didn't post it. I shared it from another site. And uh and people a couple of people commented on it and Keith commented comment was meh <laughs> and I thought and I thought, man, this is an absolutely incredible color for a flower period, let alone hibiscus. Mm-hmm. But meh. Meh. Yeah. Well the vote is in, I think it were three people to comment. Keith and Keith was the only one that didn't like it. I'm going to say meh is, means he didn't like it. And two others thought it was fabulous. <laughs> okay. Meh for me pretty much means I don't care either way. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. It, did, I, it didn't I elicit a, a positive or negative okay. response. I'd love to have my yard filled with that plant. No kidding. Oh, absolutely. And if I ever moved to Hawaii, I'm going to fill my yard with that plant. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure you would. And all would, the other thousands of You'd have hibiscus. a hibiscus forest, wouldn't you? Ooh, wouldn't that be beautiful? Along with your giant mm. cannas and yeah. banana trees. Yeah. Did I report my cannas? I collected seed and growing them from seed. Yeah. Uh, have they turn, changed color yet, or well, are they still greenish? two of them have a modeling of burgundy in them. Mm. You know, that's, that may change. They're only seedlings. 
but uh, two of them came up more yellow than green. Okay. And two other ones are green, green, green. Now the yellow ones seem to be turning more green. So we'll have to see. But they're not so far like the parent. Which and it's entirely possible that they could change and become like the parent with could. age. Yeah, it could. This happens. Yeah, it does. All right, uh, let's see what time we got. Okay, let's go out and talk to Bob in Aurora. He's got some questions for us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I got my walk in early just so I can listen to you guys. You, you seem to be out of breath, so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys talked about uh, a nursery earlier in this Monrovia or mm-hmm. something like that. Monrovia. I just wonder how you spell that. M-O-N-R-O-V-I-A. Well, I got it right. I'll be darned. Good job. <laughs> they're out. They're out in California. Well, the main nurseries are out in California, but basically West Coast. Yeah, yeah. Because I, uh, I don't drive, and I, I do a lot of mail ordering. Mm-hmm. So I'll look them up. Thank there you, sir. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All righty. Take care. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Uh, they might even mail order. They might. Uh, check their website, and they'll, they'll tell you. What was the other, I can't remember the name of the other nursery. It was California-based. Big, Heinz? All Hangs. That was it, Heinz Nursery. Yeah. And they went bye-bye. Yep. I think they got overextended. Started buying up too much stuff too quick. Couldn't support it. Mm-hmm. I think that Monrovia happens. came in and, and took over a bunch of their facilities. Did they? I, I think so. I may be wrong on that doesn't matter. Monrovia is huge. Well, they seem to be, um, they seem to be stable. So apparently the people who are in charge of the money know what they're doing. I hope so. Hey, snow update. Statewide, uh, we are 125% of average of snow depth. Uh, South Platte River uh, Basin, these are all down from last week. We're at 81%. So we're, 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 we're trending lower than, than average on the South Platte River. Arkansas River Valley, uh, 142%, and Gunnison, 155% of normal. And of course, we're not talking about the river bottoms. We, we live in river bottoms here. We're talking about the higher elevations that are in those counties, or in those drainages, I should say. Mm-hmm. And today is National Nachos Day. Oh, darn. I had nachos yesterday. I was a day early. What? See, you, you don't check with me first. We'll have to have you never today. check with me first. <laughs> today is also National Saxophone Day. Again? <laughs> Wasn't there one last week? <laughs> it's also National Bison Day. Did you know we used to have bison in this country who were like 10 times bigger than the ones we have now? What? These were enormous animals. Oh. Huge things, like six feet horn spread. My goodness, is this yeah. pre-Ice Age? Uh, I want to say somewhere between ten and 30,000 years ago. Okay. So before you were born. Um, yeah, I was on the tail end of that. <laughs> <laughs> and today in 1923, a guy by the name of Jacob Schick. Guess what patent he was granted on this date? A razor. There you go. The electric shaver. They're still making them, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. 
is a chick that that does that uh, Christmas commercial of Santa Claus riding over the the snow on the back of a chick shaver. I don't know that one. Uh, you'll, um, it, it'll be back this year. Okay. Every year it comes back. <clears throat> I think it's a chick shaver. Speaking of coming back, yeah, this is way off subject. Uh, well, but Halloween. Uh huh. Not too far off, considering <laughs> we're talking about shavers. I was amazed at the retro costumes that these little kids were wearing. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Things that were popular when my kids were little, which was decades ago. I was surprised. There was even one kid dressed as Bob Ross. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and he's still around. Is he still around? Yeah, well, no. Oh. <laughs> and on, on Channel 6 only. <laughs> oh, in reruns? Okay. Planting his happy yeah. little trees. This was a low year for us at trick-or-treaters. Five. Oh. Five kids. Why? We just put a table out at the front of our porch and a big basket full of candy and left it at that. Yeah. And when we went to bed, 10, 10.30, there was still a lot of candy left in the bowl. Hmm. So I was impressed that somebody didn't come and take it all. Yeah, yeah. Empty the whole thing in their, in their yeah. paper bag. But I kind of wish they had. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, our five was down from for a former year. We had over 300. Oh, my goodness. 300. That was the the year that a couple of our neighbors just went bananas and putting out decorations. And we had cars driving by, stacked up on the roadway. Oh, yeah. Just driving by looking at them. So you basically well, just stood at yeah. the door handing <laughs> out candy. <laughs> yeah. Those people are gone now. But uh, So we went down to five. I have no idea who these kids were. Yeah. Never seen them before. Mm-hmm. But they were cute. Yeah. And oh, we, we used to know which neighborhoods to go to, to trick-or-treat. Hey, did you only trick-or-treat one night? Mm-hmm. We didn't. Really? We trick-or-treated a whole week. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It went way beyond our neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, we, we made a haul, I want to tell you. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, I understand the one night, and I kind of like that because, uh, you know, you just buy candy for one night, and you're done. If it makes it to them, and 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 uh, and I guess if your if your porch lights porch lights not on, they won't come up your your door. Not supposed to. That didn't stop us. <laughs> no, it didn't kids. stop us as kids. <laughs> that wasn't a thing then. Nobody <laughs> told us that. Because no. <laughs> we we knew when people were home. I mean, nobody went anywhere that in those days. The lights were on in the house. They were home. They, they're home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got. Uh, we've got. Joe waiting to talk to us out in Lafayette. Good morning, Joe. Hi, hi. I have um, some big ornamental grasses. Well, they're in big pots, and every winter I, I bring them into the garage. Usually they've turned brown by this time, and I cut off the tops, you know, maybe six inches above ground. Uh-huh. They haven't this year. They're still green and looking great, but I want to store them in the garage before, you know, cold, wet day is here and I have to do it. So should I leave the tops on? Or should I cut them off even though they're still green? Should we know what kind of grasses they are? Well, I've, I've got a variety of uh, zebra grass, uh-huh. uh, Carl Forrester, uh, I don't know, two or three others, one that has red tips. So there's, there's about five different kinds. 
Yeah, they the, see you. Them in the garage, you you named you named three of them. One is a cool season grass. That's a car forester. Uh, the bottom of it will stay green all, all winter long. The others will brown up. The other two will brown up all the way to the to the base and stay that way all winter. But as far as cutting them back, even though they're still green, I mean, I would leave them out as long as you can. Keep them well watered and then um, bring them in once they've turned brown and you can cut them back at that point. I don't know that I'd cut them down green. Okay. Well, what if... I don't want to wait till the weather's got really cold and wet. I'd like to get some of these jobs done, you know, while it's yeah. decent weather. So I didn't know whether to leave the tops on and bring them into the garage or to cut them down. Well, if we get a couple of good hard frosts, I mean, some good hard frost. We've had some frost, but I don't know that we've had a severe hard frost. Uh, yeah. That'll take, that'll turn a lot of your grasses brown. But how do I... And that and that means they're dormant, and those you can cut back and take them into the garage. Would it hurt to leave the, the tops on all winter? Oh, no. No, it doesn't hurt anything at all. Okay. And I do water them maybe once a month a little bit. Yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure if I should go ahead and prematurely cut them while they're green. Or what, what size containers do you have them in? They're about 18 inches across. Oh, okay. And they're heavy enough. I need help bringing them in. Yeah. That's why... I get some of these things done yeah i hear you or you you should get yourself a, a two-wheeled hand truck well i do but it's oh. getting them up onto that yeah that's true and yeah, then tipping, it, right. back, and tipping yeah, it back yeah. yeah yeah okay well i'll just leave the tops on and bring them in and then another question a couple of weeks ago i asked about a little blueberry bush in a pot and you told me to kind of dig a hole and put it in the ground well i did that but about eight inches down i reached this clay layer labor layer and so i'm wondering with the pot in that hole is that clay going to hold moisture that's going to you know kind of rot, rot the roots even though they're in a pot we don't get enough moisture for that to be a problem even though i i will water them during the winter it still is uh, that's not a problem not a problem i don't i don't think so not especially no. not with blueberries they like to be wet okay okay good well, uh, yeah, that's that's what I was worried about. So, okay, that answers my question. Thank you. All right. You. You're welcome. Thanks Bye. for calling. Bye. All right, we need to take a break. All right, taking a break, we will. We'll be back right after this on Legends A10. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 930. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. And we are back taking your garden questions at the following number, 303-477-2473. That's the phone number to get in here, and Sean will pick up the phone. And uh, he's already got a phone to his ear, but he's got two ears, so give him a call. <laughs> he can talk out of both sides of his mouth at the same time. <laughs> That's not always a good thing. <laughs> not not exactly. Yeah. What else is going on here today? What do I? Oh, I have. I just took a quick... Um, a tally of things still blooming in the garden. 
I saw some rows of Sharon still blooming. What? Yeah, in a parking lot uh, close by. Uh, I've seen roses still blooming. Oh, yeah. Uh, Snapdragons, of course, are still blooming. We have one, count them, one Shasta Daisy in bloom. <laughs> <laughs> Jupiter's beard, a couple of red flowers still there. And we have one lonely, poor guy, one marigold still blooming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've Probably got Zalchneria still in flower. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And fall crocus. What, the, monar- the monardella is still mm-hmm. blooming? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Stupid thing. Oh, I looked it up, by the way, and monardella just means small monarda. Okay. Yeah. And it's named after by the guy by whose name, last name was, guess, monard. Monard, yes. Huh? <laughs> so they're related. Okay. Well, we've got another caller on the line. Uh, let's go out and talk to Irma about whatever she wants to talk about, really. Good morning, Irma. Good morning. Hey there. I wish you guys had... Uh would put your phone number out more often. I'm looking through my uh, drawer here trying to find my little piece of paper with your phone number on it. Well, we'll try to keep that in mind. Yes, please. I have a, uh, I think it was called a semi-dwarf red, red delicious apple tree. Okay. I had a bumper crop of apples this year, uh-huh. and they were absolutely beautiful. And I was able to get people, uh, you know, give them away. But the branches of this tree were actually so full of apples that they touched the ground. Uh huh. And I was leery of one branch that was near a, a wire, and I, I think it was telephone wire. But anyway, uh, I want to trim those branches back so that if if I ever get lucky again to have another crop, uh, so they don't touch the ground because the people who cut the grass had trouble. You know, getting under them, mm-hmm. they actually had to use a, a, a string trimmer. Yeah, you know? we we've got a solution for that. What? Uh, next spring, uh, because it had a bumper crop this year, you may not get much next year. This is what we call biennial bearing. Right. That they put a great crop on every other year. I haven't even that lucky because, like last year. Uh, uh, had beautiful, beautiful blooms. Not a oh yeah, that that trees. yeah that complicates everything. In, in addition yeah. to biennial blooming, then we have that nasty late uh, <laughs> spring frost, and that just kills all the blossoms. And you get no fruit that year. However, on on the year that you know you're going to get lots of fruit because you can see them starting to form after blooming, uh, pick off about half of those fruits. I hate to pull them off. Well, the remaining fruits will be even larger. They'll be even tastier and juicier and taste more better. Oh, they couldn't have been any better this year. Everybody just loved them. (laughs) Good. And I didn't even have uh, uh, hardly an apple with a worm in it, and I didn't spray them. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those kind of years, yeah. Yeah, but what my my question is, can I cut those branches back about three or four feet? Well, they probably need to be pruned anyway. And it's hard to tell you how to prune it without actually seeing the tree. But, um, uh, well, you could go on. How old is the tree? Oh, probably 15. Hmm. I would, if you have access to going online and uh, look up pruning apple trees. You'll get a, a lot of, there's a lot of information out there, and lots of pictures to show you how to do it. Well, I wouldn't do it myself, of course. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. 
Uh, what I was wondering, if I could cut the branches back rather than, I don't want to cut them off, because I can oh, yeah, yeah. all from the ground. Well, the, the proper pruning method would probably end up pruning most of those branches back anyway. Uh, and the time to do that is late winter? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just thought I'd get my question in early. Just be careful if you hire someone to do it, that it isn't just Joe Blow who has a pickup truck and a chainsaw. Oh, I've gone through that. Okay, who who doesn't really know what he or she is doing. Well, I have a local company I've used in the past okay. online. But uh, would that also uh, be true uh, with uh, crab apples? Yes. Okay. Well, I know you do it in the, in the winter, you know, generally yeah. or yeah. whatever. I was just trying to get ahead of the game. Yeah. But thinning the fruit will help a lot. And, and reducing the weight on the branches, and they're not going to bend down as far. And, and there's always a danger they'll break. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, the squirrels do a lot of pruning. Yeah. And just just keep in mind, those people who who grow apples for a for a a uh, profession, they go through and thin their apples every year. I know. That's how they get those. Really That's how they get the big ones for the grocery stores. Yep. Well, you know, my apples were all that big. That's nice. We had a good year wonderful. for them. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful red. Nice. Well, good for not you. Those, not those shiny kind in the grocery store. I don't like those apples at all. The red delicious they sell. Yeah. In the store. Uh-huh. Why is mine different? Well, I was just going to say, uh, if you're a fan of Facebook, every now and again, someone will will post something about how terrible Red Delicious apples are compared to all the other ones out there. And I have to gently remind them every time I see that is that there are over 55 varieties of Red Delicious apples out there. And they're probably only commenting on one of those. Really? Yes. And you now know your Red Delicious is different than the ones in the store. Absolutely. Yep. And yours are fresh off the tree versus being stored in some refrigerator yep commercial refrigerator so that they can be shipped off to a grocery store at the appropriate time well how can i keep my apples from getting uh soft and whatever oh you'd have to have the appropriate storage facility okay and that would require special temperatures for your particular variety of red delicious and uh, then they would probably pump in is it carbon dioxide? I want the carbon dioxide or nitrogen, one of the two, to keep them from going overripe. Well, that's why they don't have much taste in the store, I guess. Well, you know, if you want apples in in uh, in April, you're going to have to put up with it. I do. Otherwise, I you're going to have to wait until August, September to harvest. Well, I think I'm about to ready to turn to an apple. I've eaten so many apples. With <laughs> <laughs> So with peanut butter and <laughs> there yeah. you go. My favorite snack. Well, you know what they say, an apple a day. Well, how about two or three? Does that help? Oh, I I, I do the same thing but with persimmons. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate your help. All right, you bet. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. All Bye-bye. right. This is persimmon time of the year, by the way. We can't grow those here except for the the American persimmon, which is much smaller. And really, really has to go through a hard frost. <laughs> or two or three. <laughs> or three. 
and become almost mushy before you start to, and they're good once uh-huh. they're fully ripe. But the, it's the oriental persimmons that are now in the market. Yeah, you eat one of our native persimmons too soon, and yeah. you'll you'll pucker up good. Yeah, if you'll you'll stay that way for the rest <laughs> of the day. <laughs> it's hard to get rid of. I got a, a store locally. It's a Vietnamese grocery store, and they bring in persimmons. Buy one of huge containers, huge containers that fit on top of a pallet, and they're I don't know three four feet, and it's completely filled overflowing with persimmons only they this must time fill of year, a bunch only this time of year though after that they're gone you yeah. won't see them again so i usually get many is that right <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna have to try them i oh, haven't tried those oh they're good those asian types yeah. and you can wait until they get soft or you can eat them like apples huh yeah you amazing occasionally you'll find a seed but it's no big deal um but well, they're good do they taste like anything else, like a, something familiar? What would they? What would you liken the flavor to? It reminds me of apples when you when you chunk into it. Some of them are soft, uh, even though they're hard on the outside. They'll be soft in, inside, and it's kind of hard to tell that. So you have to do a lot of squeezing. But <laughs> <laughs> they taste like what? I don't know. Uh, maybe some of our callers can tell us. I, I can't think of anything else it tastes like. It's distinct. It's got its own flavor. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Sort of, it's sort of like uh, pawpaws. Doesn't taste like taste like anything ta- else. No. Well, it sort of tastes like a strawberry banana yeah. cantaloupe. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> now I had a visitor in my yard, and I always take him to the backyard where my pawpaw trees are, and I'd say I'd point it out and say, "What do you think that is?" And the usual first guess of anybody who knows anything about plants is magnolia. Oh, sure. Because the leaves are big like magnolia. No, it's not that. And then they go off into <laughs> guessing lots of other things. And they're all wrong. I've only had two people now over the 10 years who recognized it. Is that right? Yep. It's not something you normally see in a landscape. No, no. And the last person to recognize it grew up with it back east. Yeah. <laughs> so he knew it. <laughs> Pretty cool. Well, we, we don't have any callers. We don't. And now we're getting to the, the end of the show. So mm-hmm. if you want to give us a call before we have to hang up here, why well, give us a call at 303-477-2473. Been doing a lot of reading lately. And uh, since my wife saves newspapers until she gets around to it, <laughs> I, get, I get to read a lot of newspapers twice because <laughs> you'll point out some stuff. <clears throat> and I've made a short list of things that, of things that we learned as a kid that aren't true okay anymore all right one is uh, icing sore muscles with ice no longer recommended really it, not not a good thing huh yeah and and you know this thing about taking 10,000 steps a day uh-huh a pure myth okay. it has nothing to do with health oh it's just a good idea to take a walk and there's not no problem with that but this number of 10,000 is meaningless and the other one is drinking uh 64, 72 ounces of water every day. Yeah. Meaningless. I, I have to agree with that. And yeah. the recommendation of this long, long article is that drink water when you're thirsty. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> Which I always thought all along anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. So there. I made your life easier. Well, I don't understand why drinking tea 
doesn't count as drinking water. Well, that was another part of the myth is that, yes, it does. Yeah, it's mostly water. And coffee, too. Uh-huh. Or anything and, that's yeah, water-based. No, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're diuretics, but in the process, your, water ta- your body takes up the water that exactly. needs. Yeah. Let's get let's Yay. get Chuck before we get to the end of the hour here. Good morning, Chuck. <clears throat> hey guys. Hey. Thank you very much for taking me. Uh, I've got a question concerning my or- ornamental pear. I think the proper name is uh, cantilever or cantilever something. Chanticleer. Like that. Chanticleer. Yeah. Chanticleer. Uh-huh. That's it. It's beautiful. It still has its leaves on it, but I when I planted it. The label said something about 20 feet high. My concern is, as I walk the neighborhood, I see a lot of these, and they are much, much taller than that. Is there any way I can get a better estimate of whether how tall this tree is going to be? It's about five years old, and right now I'm guessing that it is like 14 feet high. Yeah, they grow pretty fast when they're young. Uh, what I would do, if you have access to a computer, is look up Chanticleer Pear, and there'll be hundreds of sites that discuss it, and all of them will probably give you a height. And you'll see that they vary considerably. I would add all those up and divide them by the number that you added down there, and and <laughs> that'll give you an average of what it's supposed to be. And then, then take about... 10 to 15 percent off of that just for colorado conditions yeah but i'd, I'd say you're going to be in the in the 25 to 30 foot range yeah very good that's all right they are in the neighborhood thank you oh, very much you bet all right everybody out there thank you for listening and participating in the show remember as always keep that shovel sharp and be careful where you dibble uh next week uh, we'll be back here so bring your questions back to us here and uh we'll be rebroadcast tomorrow right here on this very same station sunday 6 to 8 p.m and don't forget turn your clocks back tomorrow so we can start practicing daylight losing time we'll be back next week on legends 810